today on the show, we're talking about how to budget. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with Trevor, my co-host. And today we're picking up where we left off last week with budgeting, but this week we're doing the second part of our budgeting episode on how to budget. Now, everyone knows that I love the why-tos in life. You know, why, why you do something is far more important than how you do it. But at some point, you have to get down to doing it. So this how to do it is pretty important. And I will ask everyone, when I describe how to budget, it's going to sound very involved. It's going to sound like a lot of work. And, and that's because it is. It is a lot of work. And it's really, it's an important work. This isn't just mindless work. This is, this is the kind of work that's going to move you forward in your personal finances. But you really need to go back, and even if you listen to why budgeting is important, say just you already listened to it, I'd say listen to it again if you're on the fence or you're not sure. Because once you hear about the work that's involved in doing budgeting, budgeting at the level I do it at, and it, it, it is worth the effort because the, the, it, the rewards you get back are huge. But it's going to sound like a lot of work, so make sure you're on board on why budgeting is important. And I think it's fair to say, even if budgeting is actually a lot of work and you're actually sold on the, the why you should budget, I think it's, it's still going to be human to, to, to feel that it is a lot of work, that it is a little bit tiresome. But I mean, Trevor, how did you ever get, did you, how did you get over that? How did you finally reach that hump where you're like, no, you know what? I don't care how difficult this budgeting is or how challenging or how, how many nuances are involved with budgeting. This is worth it. Was it, was it because your why was so strong? Well, it, it starts with a really good why, but you know, one of the things, if you want to get something incorporated into your life, you often, you, you can't just plug something in. Like all, we all have full schedules. Our lives are full. So if you want to insert something new into your life, you generally have to take something out. And it, for a lot of people, it could be screen time, you know, TV and, and, and internet time. It might be taking a little bit of that out of your life and replacing it with budgeting. But on a, on a bigger scale, so, with, so we have this podcast, and there's a theory that most podcasts don't get past episode seven, and then they die, right? So, and the reason it is, is, is you're trying to do incorporate, you know, producing a podcast into your, your daily or weekly workflow. And if you haven't taken something out, if you just try to plug this new venture into your life, you might be able to sustain it, you know, through lack of sleep or whatever for seven weeks. That's the theory. And after that, you'll just run out of steam and you'll give up. So it's important that you make sure this fits into your life. And it's got to fit ahead of a whole bunch of other things. But Another one is is fitness. A lot of people, they say they don't have time for fitness. Well, it's pay me now or pay me later. If, if you don't have time for fitness today, you better have time for a lot of doctor's appointments when you're older because you, you can't have both. So I, I think the important thing about budgeting is it's going to sound like a lot of work. You got to carve out a spot in your life to fit it in. So when you mentioned the podcast, for instance, about how it has become something that has been incorporated into your life. I think a key piece about this podcast is it doesn't operate in a silo. It's not just you that shows up every week or me that shows up every week. It's both of us that show up. We keep each other accountable to to come up with a new innovative content to to bring that content to you our listeners. And I think that's a really key piece. So when it comes to budgeting, 
and creating a budgeting and making sure you follow through. I think finding that accountability partner is so important. Well, that, and that's a that's a fabulous point. So it it, it ch- chances are it's going to be your life partner who's going to be doing this with you. And if you both, a lot quite often it's just one person in the family who's keen on finances and and makes it important to the family. But if you have a, a life partner who's in it just as deep as you are, this is anything but work. It just becomes easy. So that's a great point. If if you can get somebody involved with you, then you don't want to let each other down. And if there's not a friend, a family member, an uncle, an aunt, a grandmother, if there's not someone in your life that you can reach out to to be your accountability partner, make us your accountability partner. We contact, contact us through email, our contact submission form. Let us know how your budgeting is going. Keep us up to date week to week if you need that kind of someone to be there to, to, to bounce that you are following through this plan to budget off of. Actually, you know I'm a big fan of the the user form called Reddit. I mention it all the time. There is a uh, a subreddit. These are like s- sort of niche user forms, and it's called. Per- there's two of them. One's called actually. There's three. There's personal finance. There's personal finance Canada, and there's financial independence. And uh, quite often, people will share their financial plateaus, their financial wins. On Reddit, I mean, you're you're fairly anonymous. And you don't have to reveal uh, great gobs of detail, but people there will celebrate, or or you can actually reach out for questions if you have if you're wondering, you know, what would you do in this scenario? There's there's people just waiting to answer your questions. So Reddit is a is a great place for what Courtney's describing. No, that's fabulous. So before we jump into the how to budget this part two episode that we are embarking on right now, I want to go back and kind of just. Um, summarize what we went through last week, just really quickly touch on it. And again, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to Why to Budget, we highly recommend that you listen to that episode first and then join us um, on our journey in in part two, just because like Trevor said, it'll give you kind of the, the meat behind why you should even create that budget, why you should want to, to embark on the journey of, of making a budget. So uh, Trevor, you talked about budgeting myths and there was, there's four great budgeting myths there. And I I, want to touch on one because I had another question for you and concern to it. So uh, your second budgeting myth was budgets are restrictive. And when we're talking about how to budget and and kind of developing that process and that habit. And like I mentioned, we do have that kind of person in our life, whether it's a life partner, they have to be on board at some level. And uh, so my question to you is, is what if you have a partner who it feels that maybe budgets are restrictive or budget doesn't really fit with their life. I'm using the word fit in quotes. How do you kind of go about, I don't want to use the word convincing and, and other than shoving earbuds in your partner's ears to listen to um, part one of our, of uh, our budgeting podcast, how do you help bring someone on board just to see the benefits of budgeting? I mean, if somebody's not on board with personal finance in general, then budgets are absolutely restrictive, no question. And it, the I think the only way you can convince somebody, a life partner, or, or any member of your family who's affected by your budgeting uh, philosophy is to show them the rewards or or and, and maybe develop some short-term rewards for this budget, meaning one of the things I, 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 in budget being restrictive, being a myth, is is budgeting allows you to put all your extra money left over at the end of the month toward the things you enjoy the most. So you might show somebody that, you know, if you stick to this plan, you can in fact, you know, have this toy 
whatever it is you want at the end of the month or the end of three months or six months or however long it takes to save up for it, it sh- show them how the budget actually delivers. Ooh, that's good. I like that. That's, that's, that's something that we can all kind of tangibly grasp onto. When when it came to the situation of you and your wife, are you both on board? Are you are you? Do you speak from experience that um, you you kind of had to maybe convince your wife it was a good idea, or was it the other way around? How did you two uh, meet in the middle to develop, like we learned last week, this very elaborate, very sophisticated budget? So we've both been personal finance nerds <laughs> our our whole lives, and before we met, we were personal finance nerds. So it, it, it was truly a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> I mean, we, we see the world the same way. So I actually have no experience in trying to convince a life partner that budgets and, and, and financial responsibility are important because I've never had to do that, nor has my wife had to do that. We just see the world the same way. And, you know, and I'll say in picking a life partner, I don't know that you should ask for somebody's bank statements before you go on your first date, but I got to think having the same view of money or personal finance is at some level, I, I, I would, okay, deal breaker might sound strong, but when you're, when you're choosing a life partner, I got to think money is got to play a role in, I mean, if, if you don't share a similar view, maybe not the same, but a similar view, just say I had this dream of early financial independence and my life partner wanted to live in the moment every single day there's going to be a financial strain on that relationship forever it's never going to go away unless one person goes more leans toward the other person's point of view so i'm going to say personal finance at some level i mean when you get too extreme it should be a bit of a deal breaker in terms of relationships. I like that. I like that. We, we have dedicated whole episodes to um, how to make relationships work and in regards to personal finance. And I maybe it's time to do another one um, coming up soon. But if you go back in our catalog, you will find some there. But I do like that, Trevor, how the focus on you don't have to have the same outlook um, item per item per se, but just the general um, overarching goals and views are the same because I think maybe people listening to this will, will can even identify with the fact that um, they are maybe more committed or more sold on the idea of how budgeting or even just being mindful of person of finance is beneficial to their life and their other partner is maybe catching up or or sees the the benefits to budgeting or paying attention to personal finances and is is using their partner as as an example of how they are aiming to live their life. And, and you know there isn't many things a, a couple can do that that doesn't touch money. If you, if you think about it, even starting with a, a an engagement, you know you might have an engagement party, an engagement ring. I mean all these things cost money. And then weddings they cost money. Honeymoons they cost money. Where you live costs money. Having children costs money. I mean everything you do with a life partner, there's going to be dollars and cents involved at some level. Definitely. So. To jump on to, as we talk about budgeting myths, kind of bring us back to recapping uh, part one of our budgeting uh, series. So we have, we talked about budgeting myths, highlighting number two with budgets are restrictive. And then we jumped on in, in our part one episode to talk about why budgeting is important. And, and this was really the meat of the episode um, with five really key points about what uh, makes budgets important and, and, and why we should want to implement them in our own lives. 
So, it, you know, if you just quickly run down the list. So number one was budgets provide a roadmap with directions to your goals. Number two is budgets identify problems before they occur. Number three is budgets make you aware of where your money's going. Number four, budgets drive behavior change. And number five, budgets are a tool for decision making. So those are kind of the five reasons why you should be motivated to, to have a budget and, and make budgeting part of your life. So uh, Trevor, uh, before we do get into this episode and the content we hope to cover in this episode, I do have a final question for you about why why have a budget and maybe who should have a budget. I know we talked about how it's beneficial for everyone, but if we're looking at a family unit, at what age would you recommend um, parents start mentoring their child and start opening the doors to to budgeting? Because, I mean, we, we again, we've done in the past an episode on financial education and financial literacy and the fact that that is not, unfortunately, mainstream in our um, post-secondary and elementary education. So at what point should parents kind of start broaching that subject and incorporating that in to their child's um, financial financial um, health. So in a perfect world, you would begin budgeting the minute you earn income. So even if it's an allowance, you hope, you know, I'm not going to say you could do this, but in a perfect world, the minute you get your first allowance from your parents, you insert those dollars into a budget and you start planning from that point point on. I going to say for most people that, that that isn't when it happens. But without question, I mean, this is, it needs to start the minute you have a financial obligation in your life. Maybe a, a cell phone bill might be the first one somebody might have as a, as a young person. So if it's not when you start earning money, earning that very first dollar, then it is when you, when you sign up for your first financial obligation. That is when without question, you need to begin the budgeting process. And when we talk about the budgeting process and and really jump into how to budget, as we go along here, are there any major modifications that you should make for for when you're teaching a child how to budget or or someone maybe younger? It it should be broken down in more simpler terms or should you really just dive in and and, and bring your, your child the full budgeting process? Well, so to, to describe my budgeting process at a very high level, we'll kind of answer that. So you start with tracking your income and expenses. And, and this is a skill that you develop. It's not just something you naturally do. So someone who, who's new and young to budgeting, I think they will spend a great deal of time just developing that skill, developing the awareness of, of the flow of money coming in and out. So that that is probably, if that's all you got, as a young person out of budgeting, you, you've, you've probably done well. The, the next phase would be to develop income and expense parameters. So, so, so this is something to measure your inflows and outflows against. And this might be a stretch for a really young person. It would be hard to really I'd stress the importance of it. So I think if a young person could just monitor the inflows and outflows, that's good. If you could get them to the point where they set param- you know, spending parameters given their their budget that would be probably the top shelf for a young person i'm talking a teenager here so that that would be great and the final phase of budgeting is to is to project future income and expenses this is probably overkill for a young person their life is going to evolve so much in in such, such small windows of time that i don't think there'd be any value in that for a young person 
I really like how your budgeting process is is really broken down into kind of three bite-sized manageable pieces and and they really work sequentially in that if you're not ready you're not quite at this uh, maturity level and I'm not talking age-wise I'm talking kind of personal finance wise when you're maybe just starting out you're 30 40 50 and maybe just starting out making a budget for the first time I like that you can slowly add on more I'll call it responsibility when you're ready to add it on and and, and Trevor when we're looking at these three steps I mean you, you've broken them up so uh, linearly, track income and expenses, develop income and expense parameters, and third, project future income expenses. Is is this something, do you find, how did you kind of come up with this order? And, and, and when we move on, how did you kind of develop all the steps that will go inside of them? Is this something that has been developed organically through trial and error? Or have you relied on um, outside resources to kind of aid you? So how it happened for me is my wife is the bookkeeper of the family. So I watched her in incredible skill and discipline for tracking income and expenses better than I, I better than I had. And I, I think this is somewhat personality driven, but everybody needs to develop it. So my wife would put hours and hours into tracking income and expenses into the finest categories you could ever dream up. And I thought, you know, what we should be do something with this. This is a, a huge waste of energy that she's pouring into it. If, if I don't take that, that huge mass of data information and do something with it. So we started obviously from that setting income and expense parameters. So, and then monitoring that the, our actuals against those parameters and, and seeing how we we're performing. And then with that, I, I thought, well, we, we could look into the future. I mean, this is, this is literally a, a time machine in our hands. We could project where we're going to be five years from now. So it kind of evolved, but I didn't really break it into pieces until we were done. And I realized I managed this in different buckets of time. Like I, I would, my wife would do the bookkeeping. So tracking income expenses at the end of each month, we, we'd me- we'd measure that against the parameters we set. And then, then after that, like in a, say another week or two weeks later, I would input into a spreadsheet and project into the future and to see, are we still tracking to where we want to go? So it, it just dawned on me that this didn't happen all at once. This happened in different buckets of time. So that that led me to believe that maybe somebody doesn't need to tackle this elaborate budgeting process all at once. So we kind of touched on this last week about the phenomenon of how scary the, the word budgeting sounds and how when we even talk about how to budget, our eyes can glaze over so fast. And I mean, Trevor, I'm sure you've kind of experienced this yourself, but you look around at any kind of basic personal finance, anything, whether it's a website, other, it's social media, wherever you are and you're looking at personal finance um, things, it's always going to be step number one. Or even when your articles on how to get out of debt, step number one is always create a budget They kind of glaze over it and then, and then move on. And I, I hope that this episode will kind of break through that that anything that anyone has ever read about just kind of, oh, create a budget, it's simple, it's easy, and actually create some manageable, intangible um, things to take away and, and actually implement in their own financial life. So let's let's dive into your very first point. So first, you have develop an ex- your expense tracking skills. So this is in fact a skill. So it, it takes a discipline to 
take receipts or credit card statements or bank statements and input them into some sort of tool to track them. So I'm going to say everyone's got a smartphone in their hand. Most people do. So this is a great tool. And there's there's a ton of smartphone apps out there for, for using to track your income and expenses. The one I use is called Home Budget. Pretty generic name, Home Budget. It, it's not made by any of the fancy providers. And what drew me to this one, so here's my criteria. So I don't want a smartphone budgeting app that I have to give my banking information with. For one thing, you've in Canada, you violate your banking agreement if you share your banking information with a third party. So I don't want to do it for that reason. And also, when you link it to a bank account, what you're getting through this app is some automation. And so it's going to take your, your expenses and you 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 can drag and drop them to different categories. It, it, it just streamlines the process. Well, the, in tracking income expenses, the last thing you want is automation. Automation is your enemy. You want to manually handle every single dollar you spend because it makes you reflect. It makes you think about, I can't believe I spent this much on this or, or I can't believe this was this cheap. You know, I got to do that again. So it makes you reflect on your spending. And I think that is so important in tracking your income expenses. And you get to know the frequency at which bills come in, the, the time of the month, or maybe they don't come in every month, they come in every third month. You get to understand the flow of your expenses. And I think that's really important. And you also get to know the flow of your expenses as it relates to your income, because those two things got to work in harmony. So I think a, a smartphone app is a great tool because y you have no excuse. To, everyone's holding their phone all the time. Why not, why not pump in a few receipts while you're holding it? So I think that is, is, is key it is, and I can't rec and we're not sponsored by this, but home budget for I, I don't know if it's for Android, they have it for iOS. It is a fabulous app. And one thing is it's super simple. So that's one of the things that a lot of these budgeting apps for your phone, they do way too much and you end up they only make pie using pie charts for days. Yeah. And then you end up using only a fraction of what it can do, but it looks so intimidating and complicated at the beginning. So Home Budget is a great app. In fact, I'll leave a link for for the, to this app in the show notes. So for the record, it is available on Android um, and I use it as well. So I, I guess this speaks volumes to its functionality. I'm, I'm just beginning my financial life, I would say, in my 20s. Um, or Trevor is approaching um, financial independence. So it really, it, it works for, I think, wherever you are in your financial uh, financial life. And you don't need a smartphone app. I mean, I mean, we started tracking our income and expenses in a handwritten ledger when we first got together, me and my wife. And then we started doing it in a spreadsheet. And then we got a program called Quicken and we started doing it in Quicken. And then we evolved into this home budget one. So we, we, we are, the, the tools we've used have evolved, but the discipline has always been there to get it done. And I do want to note as well that there is a, a free and a paid version. So definitely test out the free version. But um, I think Trevor, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have the paid version as well, just due to its uh, increased functionality. Well, so here's the thing. Don't fall for the free version because here's, here's what happens is they all offer a free version. And what it is is, they limit the number of transactions you can enter. So what, what's going to happen is you're going to set up all your categories and input uh, tons of information, and then you'll get to transaction number 25, and it'll ask you, do you want to you know, move up to the paid version? So I, 
get the free version to look at it, but don't invest a lot of time into inputting stuff into it because you'll you'll end up you'll only get twenty five transactions in, and then you'll that's that's all the free version gets you. And again, we are not at all sponsored by Home Budget. We are just complete advocates of it. Um, and, I, and and I'm not spending a lot of time talking about how to enter receipts into uh, a smartphone app. I mean, the, the, it, they're all pretty self-explanatory, but it's the discipline to do it. That's the, that's what you have to develop. The discipline to not just say uh, you're not going to do it. And it's really carving out a window of time in your life to do it in. Ooh, and this is a good so, point. This is a fabulous so point. He, so here's what happens in, in, in my life. So me and my wife will go grocery shopping. And we get in the car and my wife will have the grocery receipt entered into home budget on the drive home. Talk about carving out useless time and making the most of it. And so by the time we walk in the house and unpack our groceries, she's telling me whether we overspent or underspent our grocery budget. I mean, that is, that is pretty dialed in finance, right? So it's almost real time. But on the drive home, she will say, do you know how much that coffee cost? Or do you know how much, did you know, did you realize this was on sale and we only got one? So on the drive home, we're having this conversation about our groceries. So that is, that's the kind of nerds, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of finance nerds you're dealing with here. But like, but you, when I say carve out time, if you, if you commute on a bus, there's an opportunity to pump some receipts into your, your smartphone app. I mean, there, there's windows of time. People are staring at their phones all day long. You might as well be productive. We should make that into a t-shirt, finance nerds, personal finance nerds. I'd wear that. Or a button. Oh, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's that's awesome. I think the time that works for you to carve out and enter your receipts is is good, is is, is something that just is very individual. Um, it's, it's, I think, even maybe cut your Netflix time down and enter them there. I think that's an awesome as well, kind of transition to something very productive. Um, and and, he, and here's, a, here's another little finance nerd tip. <laughs> <laughs> so... When you're, just say you've got a grocery cart full of groceries from Walmart or No Frills or wherever you shop, Costco. And so the things you want to separate on your bill. So just say you bought some clothes there and you bought some personal hygiene products and some food. And just say those are three different categories in your budget. Well, what you do is we do the self-checkout only. Or if you don't, just line it up on the conveyor belt so it goes in, it gets scanned into your uh, by the cashier or you, or by yourself in the in the order that you want to enter it into your budget. So all of our personal hygiene stuff is all together, so you can quickly scan down the list, do some simple math, and say, okay, that's that's for personal hygiene. This is uh, you know I bought two T-shirts, that's clothing. And the rest is food. See how easy that is? That that it's that easy. Three numbers went into our budget. That is next level. <laughs> that's 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 commitment. Um, so I, I let's move on to the second point within. So so we have our three um, ways a budget is developed. So right now we are on track your income expenses. Number one, simple. But there's a sub point, Trevor, within this main point. So we already did start with a smartphone app. Um, so, so can you talk about kind of the second of four points within um, just developing your expense tracking skills? So on the road to developing the skill of tracking income expenses is you need to set up categories in your smartphone app to to put these, the spending and income again. So 
I say keep it simple at the beginning because you really don't know what you need until you get rolling. So I'm going to say get your home budget app on your phone, set up one category for income and four spending categories. Keep it really simple. Don't make it complicated. Otherwise, you just, you'll just hate the thought of doing it. So your four categories should include home, living, transportation, and other. So just set up those four categories. Don't get fancy. Don't Trust me, you're going to end up with more, but just set up those four. And now spend three to six months developing the skill of entering all your expenses and income into those categories. So when you get a receipt, I mean, it's not a complicated decision. Where does this go? It's got to go into one of those four expense categories. When you have income, like a paycheck, there's only one place to put it, income. And what you're going to get out of this is you're going to get to understand the flow of your money. So when you say flow, you're saying kind of what categories being uh, dominated the most, being more, most money is being spent within it. Uh, no, you're just going to get to know the, f- the flow in that. I guess you're going to get a handle on, I-, I do in fact spend less than I earn, that kind of flow. And, and during, so when we're talking about flow, are we in this kind of a stage where we're just tracking our expenses, we're doing a little test three to six month period, are we altering our spending patterns here or should we kind of be doing um, self-evaluation every every kind of few few weeks? Uh, what, what are we doing here? No, I, I'm saying just don't put any parameters on yourself. You're just developing a skill. The skill and the discipline to track income and expenses. That, that's all we're trying to accomplish here. I, I love that. That might be, it's, it's a super key point because I've, I've heard before that just from talking to people that it kind of one of a very intimidating um, part is, is one, you're kind of developing this expense tracking skill. And then the second is you're altering your behaviors. And I think kind of putting, kind of bumping heads against those two new skills um maybe altering your spending behavior is one and then ex- tracking your expenses. I mean, that's a lot to, to juggle at the same time. So I love that um, step one of just developing your expense tracking skills is just that. And if you, a lot of times you say it takes 30 days to develop a habit. Well, this is, this is kind of part habit and part carving out a window of time in your life to do it. So it, it's one thing to develop a habit it's, uh, it's another thing to have a sustained habit. So the only way you're going to sustain this habit is by carving out this window of time. So I'm asking you to carve out a really tiny window of time just to track your income and expenses. If, if I said carve out all the time required to do those three phases of budgeting, you'd have to give up uh, your whole Netflix, Netflix life to get it done, right? So now you're talking I'm crazy. Asking, I'm asking you to give up you know, one Netflix show. <laughs> Not even that. I'm saying give up. Uh, I, I This should take very little time. I, I'm just trying to get this. Th- this is you scrolling so- through social media. Instead, this is you updating your budget. Really, that that's the kind of window of time I think you're, you're going to have to sacrifice. No, that's fair. So we, you kind of you brushed on um, at the end of the three to six months. You should have a solid view of how... Um, your income expenses are flowing. So that's three. And then... The yeah, so, so so number three is, so at the end of three to six months, you should see how your income and expenses flow. And when I say flow, how they flow in relation to each other. So your income comes in at whatever frequency in the month and your expenses come out at whatever frequency in the month. 
you want to make sure that flow is working. You know, so if, if you are, you should never be paycheck to paycheck, but I mean, if you are close to a paycheck to paycheck lifestyle at the moment, then this would, you wouldn't know that until you did this under and seen this flow. And then you might just realize how close to the financial edge you're living. So you understand the flow. And, and so now you're starting to get some information from your budget. You, you might see that, wow, you know, if this expense came in three days sooner, uh, we would be in overdraft. You know, you might see that, right? You might see that flow. So you're spending three to six months understanding the flow and also the, the frequency of your expenses. So not everything comes due every month. Some stuff comes every three months. Like my uh, property tax is paid three times a year. So the, the I need to sort of budget for that flow, right? It, it, it's a big number. It shows up in one month. I accumulate... Uh, a little bit every month to save up for those property taxes in my budget. But that, that's getting a little elaborate. But when, once I seen that, that this big lumpy expense shows up every three months, then, you know, I, the wheel should start turning my head saying, well, I, I got to anticipate that. So you're just looking to see how your expenses flow and, and you're not doing anything with it yet. You're just understanding it. So that's, that's point number three. So the fourth point within develop your expense tracking skills um, is divide your divide your expenses into your four expenses that you earlier developed home living transportation and other into four subcategories so this this is where y- you've got these big buckets of spending in those four categories and and now it's time to sort of subdivide I would say subdivide one at a time. So take one of those categories, just say it's your your home expenses, and take that and subdivide it into in, into something logical like utilities, uh, rent, you know, the, the, those kind of things, buckets that make sense. But you want to pick categories, and I'll do a little thing on categories here. So spending categories should facilitate decision-making. So... Just say you had this bucket called home and, and you're renting an apartment and you decide you want to move. Well, looking at your budget, you have no idea how much your rent is. So you, you, don't, you don't have anything there to base a decision on. You can't say, well, I want to move to this apartment. It, it costs another $300 to live there. I wonder if I can afford it. You can add $300 to your home budget, I, I guess, or your home spending and anticipate what it would cost. But... Maybe the utilities are, are included in your new place and they're not included in this place. You want to separate expenses to, to facilitate decision-making. So if you were to decide to move to another apartment and the rent did include utilities and the one you're currently in doesn't, you're trying to figure out, is it going to be more money or less money? This would help facilitate that decision. And the other thing categories should do is they should facilitate behavior change. So... If you have an entertainment budget line, and that would be in your living expenses, so subdivide that. One of the categories would be entertainment. And if if you, I mentioned this last week, if you weren't happy with your how much you were spending entertainment, if you thought it was excessive, and, and you thought, well, it must be all the movies I'm going to, and you stopped going to movies, and your entertainment budget barely changed, then obviously you, the behavior you changed didn't fix the problem. Maybe and then maybe at a deeper dive, you find out oh, it's dining out that's causing the problem. 
so meanwhile you missed a whole bunch of really good movies <laughs> but but thinking that was the problem right and so you should understand the flow of your expenses and then create categories that are gonna you know if you know dining out is is something that you a weakness you have then create a, a line in your budget for dining out track that expense separately so you can see it stare you in the face so I think the ultimate question that I always ask myself and, and maybe some of our listeners is how do you know if you have too few or too many categories and what is the the challenges or the pitfalls of having too many or too few? So too many and your budget just becomes unsustainable. The process just becomes too much work. So we've done that where we've taken our cell phone expense and we split it between you know, my wife's cell phone expense and my cell phone expense. And we realize they cost the same amount. The plans we have cost the exact same amount. And it's not like one of us is not going to have a cell phone. So we were splitting those costs and no value was coming from it, right? It was just a separate transaction my wife was entering in two separate categories for no gain. So if you create too many categories, you, you end up creating a monster that you can't you can't feed, you know, it, it just becomes unsustainable. You'll roll your eyes at the, at, at the, at the thought of, of updating your budget. So I would, most people have too many categories just for the record. Anybody I've ever talked to, they have way more categories than, than I think is necessary. And I, okay, for instance, I own two cars and I track the fuel separately. And the reason I, I question why I do that because me and my wife, just say we sold one of our cars and we went down to one car. Well, I don't think we're going to drive half as much. We're just going to drive one car more. So I think we'll spend the same amount of gas. So separating those fuel, it, looking back, that was a waste of time because I, I don't think we're going to spend any less in fuel. The two cars are have a, of similar fuel mileage, similar size cars. So I, I just think we're going to spend more fuel on one car and half as much fuel on two cars. So that, that was an example where I, I think we were wasting our time having separate categories. And I think as something I know I'm kind of tentative to, to play with or adjust are my categories. And I think I like that you said that you started, that you just kind of in your example there, you threw it two times where you, you made adjustments, where you, you altered things to, to work. And I, I really think the emphasis always needs to be on how fluid the, the budget, the categories, everything is when it comes to the, the how to budget process. Well, and I think you, 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 should, for all, you should always be changing your categories. It, it should be a constantly evolving thing. I would say, and I said this last week, my budget five years ago doesn't look anything like my budget today. And I, five years ago, I had three kids living at home. And today, I don't, I don't have any. So you could imagine the categories that went away with, with, with my kids leaving. But if, if I kept those categories and kept budgeting money, it would be crazy. So your budget should be this fluid thing that is evolving. In fact, I would say it should probably change from year to year a little bit tweaks, you know, little tweaks that one category is getting bigger than you're comfortable with. So you're going to subdivide it. And in this other category, you, you never really analyze those numbers separately. So you collapse them. And I think that should be going on constantly. And it, it, it should, for sure, it shouldn't look the same in five years. It probably shouldn't even look similar within a three-year window. 
So I want to move now on to um, the next kind of second step in developing a budgeting process. So we covered develop your expense tracking skills, but the second stage in developing a process is, um, as you say, you can now begin to develop income and expense parameters. So this sounds a little bit intimidating. Can you break it down for us into kind of more bite-sized pieces? Yeah, so once you've developed the skill, you've started, you've you've got some historical data of tracking your income expenses, understanding the flow. Now, that's great information and, and everyone should have that at the bare minimum. And, and at least now you know, you, hopefully you've discovered that you spend less than you earn. Like, and if you haven't, then you need to fix that. But once you, you've got some spending history, now you can start to develop what I call expense parameters. These, this is, this is really the, you know, when people think of a budget, this is the the amount that you're you're anticipate spending in a particular category, and uh, you you would do this on a monthly basis because you want to track it monthly. You you don't want to do a, you don't want to plan a, an annual budget only to go twelve months to find out you you were you were tracking way over your your budgeted amount and you get to December and you've you've overspent it you don't want to find out that way you you want to you want to measure your progress in smaller increments of time and I'm going to suggest monthly and, and then if there's a problem you can make corrections and, and or or under uncover the problem and make adjustments in smaller windows of time so develop a monthly budget and I would start with just using averages from your historical data. So you've been tracking your income and expenses. So you're tracking your expenses and you've got say six months of, of income expenses. I would take the average of the six months and use that as a, as a, a budget amount as a parameter for each category. Ooh, okay. I want to stop you there. I like that because my question to you and the question that I always face myself and maybe some of our listeners is, but Trevor, if I want to how do I how do, how do I not stress out if I go over my budgeted amount? And I like that it's it's just an average. Well, and, and that's a starting point. I'm going to say it's a starting point. So it, it it's an average, but your your expenses probably don't flow that way. Like I mentioned, my property taxes. Well, I I pay it in big lump lumpy amounts it comes in every three i think i pay it three times a year so it's it's a big number three times a year if i took the average i would look like i was ahead of budget every month until that expense come in and then i'd be over budget so i i I think using averages is a great starting point but really understanding how your your expenses flow is, is the utopia of of budgeting but that's sort of a a starting point and then the the third so the first one was determine your monthly income budget two is use averages to determine your monthly expense category budgets and number three this is the important one is is i do what's called a zero based budget and that means i account for every dollar so one of the categories in my budget is savings goals and so when i'm done so i have a budgeted income and i account for every penny i earn it goes into some category. So there's there's no this there's none of this excess. And one thing we do have in our budget is me and my wife each get an allowance. And it sounds crazy that adults get an allowance. We did a and a show on that. And if you don't give yourself an allowance, what you end up with is quite often you end up with a like a bottomless pit of spending. You need you need parameters around your own personal spending. And 
the the thing we do with our our allowances is it's guilt free money. I I don't need to check in with my wife, you know, if I want to buy a, an extra set of Bluetooth earbuds. You just I, do I it. I don't I don't need to consult her. I probably would anyway, just because I think she's got my back. But I, I could go out and buy them, and I don't have to answer to anybody. <laughs> That's just my money to spend, however I however I feel right. And sometimes I just I just order them those Bluetooth earbuds, <laughs> and I don't ask anybody. I just order them. <laughs> But quite often I'll ask somebody, but th- that's, that's what it's for. And, and so a zero based budget, I, I think is, is key because you end up with this, this extra money unaccounted for, it'll just get spent. That's what happens to it. And, and when we're talking about kind of setting the, the parameters, I think one of my big questions is just like kind of the philosophy of, of weight loss versus weight gain. There's a calorie. I mean, if you, if that's how you, you perceive it as calorie deficit and calorie surplus based on weight loss or um, weight gain. And again, I, if, if you don't view calories that way, that's completely okay, but just as an example. So if we kind of take that parameter to our budget, how do we, so we want to save, we want to spend less in each category. We're not just going to simply look at our historic three to six month exp- uh, s- spending and say, okay, that's it. Sounds good. What if we do want to trim down on maybe our expense or the, how much we spend in, in certain categories? How do we do that realistically with no, not going over our budget amount yet not feeling restricted? So that's a really good question. And so let's just say you you weren't happy with how much you're spending on fuel. Just say you set a, a fuel budget for your car. Your car. Well, let, let's use a different category just because as a and, and listener may argue, but fuel is essential to get to my job or something like that. Let's let's kind of throw out a different example. Well, I'm going I'm to give you the fuel one because it, it's going to go somewhere. So just say you, you had a fuel budget and you exceeded it every month. And, and you set this budget of say... $900 and every month you spend a thousand. Well, just, just, just reducing your budget, that, that isn't what moves the needle. You have to deliberately drive your car less and, and think about where you drive your car and think about where you're driving your car that you don't need to, you know, that that's, so just say you want to reduce your grocery budget. Well, you need to look at all the things you're buying. You, you don't just you don't just arbitrarily reduce your grocery budget by by a hundred dollars uh, a month and expect it to happen. You first say, "What can I not buy? You know, where can I where can I cut back at least a hundred dollars in groceries? Well, what specific items am I buying? Could I buy a cheaper coffee? Is there something? Could I shop at a different store? You need to you need to physically do something different." to achieve those goals. So just changing the number doesn't work. You, you have to, what, what we do is we make a list of, so I, I work in personal finance and we have this thing's called the financial bridge. And so how it works is you, here's where we currently are. So you got your list of numbers, spending categories and your current expenses. And then you, you have a, another column with where you want those spending categories to be. And in the middle, you have another column, and in there will be the action items you're going to take to bridge that gap. It's called a bridge. And just say my grocery budget is $900, and I want it to be $800. Then on that bridge, I'm going to list all the things I'm not going to buy that are going to be $100 less. 
That is how you make changes in your budget. You don't just arbitrarily change numbers and then get disappointed when you get to the end of the month and you've overspent your budget again. That is powerful. I, I love that. And that philosophy, sorry, I'm having like a, a like a one of those like wow moments, mic drop moments where you really in I think that's been maybe the shortfall that I've had in the past where I've changed a number and thought that was enough, but you're, it's, it speaks to all of the other kind of philosophies and, and things that we touched on in last week's episode where you actually have to want it. You have to want to to make that change in your budget and, and in your life that badly that you actually take action. Like, let's just say you have a student loan that you want to get out of your life and you you currently put together your budget and you're just about spending every penny you you earn. So you just say there's 50 bucks left over the end of every month. So for intensive purposes, it's, 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 a, it's a wash, right? You spend everything you make. And you got the student loan and you want to pay it off. Well, you, you can't just create a line item in your budget saying student loan payment, right? You can't just add that. You need to go and, and take action. You need to cancel your cable bill. You need to you know, get rid of your car payment and buy a used car for cash. You need to take action items. And then once you've taken the action, then you change it in your budget. You don't do it first. You, you make, you, you, you do the physical action and then you change your budget. Cause the minute you, you do the other way, you, you'll say, Oh, budgets don't work. You know, I, I, re- <laughs> I reduce my grocery budget a uh, hundred dollars and I overspend <laughs> it every month. You know, of course they don't work. You need to physically do something different to get the physical result. Wow. I'm just, I'm just like, that's, I love that. I love that. And, and again, I just want to summarize the bridge thing off you. So we have basically three columns. Maybe you can do this in a spreadsheet or a word document. And we have. So actually, so there's more than three columns. So we do very elaborate bridges. So you've got your, (laughs) you've got your, your current. Of course you do. Yeah. So we call it current state. That's column one. And then, then we have future state which is the the most the rightmost column this makes for great audio <laughs> yeah hope you're following and along then, and then say there's five columns in between those two so current state future state and in between it are this is a spreadsheet by the way <laughs> and in between there's five columns and the top of each column we're going to put something one one column will say um uh, productivity improvements and this is us doing a better job of what we currently do. So we're, and we, there's going to be actions beside each of them, but you know, we're going to say we're going to be more efficient on groceries because we're going to shop at a different grocery store. And I think through very deliberate calculations, this will translate into $30 in savings. And then the other thing we're going to do is we are going to um, not buy any convenience foods. And I believe this will save us $20 a month but by not buying convenience foods. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to stop buying toilet paper. <laughs> you you never sold. do that, but, but that's going to save us, you know, five bucks a month. And so you can see how I, I've come up with action items to bridge from current state to future state. That is how big business does it. And that is how I do it in my personal budget. That That's how, like, for instance, I'm going to sell my truck get rid of my $800 truck payment and that is going to go straight to my student loan. Magic. Wow. That, that, I mean, this whole episode is, is great, but that one point that is, 
it kind of it takes the whole budgeting process and and it well not the whole budgeting process but the process of I think what we kind of envision budgets are for for kind of adjusting and maybe slimming down on some of our expenses in certain categories and it makes it puts it into bite-sized pieces again and and tenfold so that we can actually feel so so it's like a small win we talk about this all the time here on the show the small wins every time you you bridge over to the next uh, productivity stage that is a small win. So Trevor, we just covered it. So to kind of walk us through where exactly we are in the, the budging process. So we already covered track your income and expenses. We just finished develop income and expense parameters. And we're going to move now on to the final um, most sophisticated stage of the budgeting process and how to budget, which is project future income and expenses. Yeah, so this is the the real payoff to the whole process. So, and this requires the most amount of time. But I mean, if you've gone, if you've got this far, you've developed the skill and, and you've, you've set parameters and you're kind of monitoring them and, and making progress in your financial life that way, why not take it to the utopia of budgeting and use it as a financial planning tool? So this is, so here's how my, so my, my wife does the bookkeeping, so she's doing all this thing in, in our home budget app. And with that app, you can send yourself an, an Excel file of, of, the, of any given month's worth of expenses. So I go in, the, you actually email it to yourself. So I'll go in, I'll run this report and email it to myself. I'll get on my computer, open Excel, and I, I again, I'm handling these numbers again manually again another opportunity for for reflection on my spending and i'm updating a spreadsheet that's got the exact same categories my home budget app has i'm i'm putting them into a spreadsheet month by month so here's how my spreadsheet looks so i've got i got last year's spending by month i got the current year's actual spending or budget spending and then i've got the future year month by month so next year projected spending and income. So at any time I can just, I can see how my savings goals are going to be reached. I can see, and just say something changed, something changed in my life. I, 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 somebody lost their job. I can use this spreadsheet as I described it. So I got, I got last year, 12 months, each month of spending. So I got the historical view. I got the current year I'm working in. Some of it's actual, some of it's budget or forecast. And I got the next year, which is all forecast or I can't use the word forecast or projection interchangeably. It's all projection. And it, it, again, there's no fancy formulas here. They're just add, subtract, sum. And then once I get to the end, so I've got those, those three years, last year, current year, future year. And then I go out just, and I, I don't do it month by month, but I do annual totals and I go out five years. So that, that's a that that's a big window I'm looking at. I got I got a five year view out of where I think my personal finances are going to take me, and it, it starts with an opening balance of cash, add my income, subtract my expenses, closing balance of cash. So I I, I get to see exactly how the money's flowing. I can see is there going to be a cash flow problem? Maybe maybe not. If there is, I can make adjustments or. Uh, anticipate what I'm going to do, take money from another account, move it over here. So it, it, it's this tool that gives me this, this view, but think I, I've got, I got like five, six years 
out, I, I can see where I'm heading. And I, I think it's, to me, it, it, I sleep at night. It's so comforting to know. And I know I, pe- people say, how, how, do you re- how are you retiring at age 55? I think a lot of people could retire at 55. They just don't know they could. I mean, I, I have, I'll say I have fairly advanced Excel skills, but I'm not using them for this tool. I, I keep it really basic. And I'm not talking down about my wife, but she doesn't have advanced Excel skills. So she, she's not comfortable looking at or using something that's got crazy formulas she doesn't understand. So I keep it pretty simple. So she makes adjustments to it as well. So it, it is a fabulous tool. It, it, if anything, it, just say I, I, I found out I couldn't retire at 55. Just say this tool, the, all this financial planning told me I couldn't. Well, at least I'd know. But I think a lot of people are, they're working longer than they have to possibly because they just don't know uh, how their finances are going to play out. And Trevor, you're talking about this spreadsheet that you're making this stage and, and you just said it's not advanced, which I think is important to emphasize that just because you do kind of use spreadsheets in your, your daily work life doesn't mean that those, like you said, advanced spreadsheet skills come over to your personal life um, in this in this scenario. But is there a right way or a wrong way to to create a kind of an Excel-based or a spreadsheet-based um, kind of financial planner? Or is it simply because, I, I don't know, as a listener, I'm just wondering, I'm like, Trevor, if, if mine doesn't look like yours, am I, am I even doing it right? But is it a matter of just simply making something that makes sense to you? So I'm going to say, uh, if you don't have any spreadsheet skills at all, I, I think you should get them. This This is like learning to fix a faucet or change a tire. Using a spreadsheet is a skill that will serve you well. I, I think this is a skill that you should develop. It, 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 it will help you in other aspects of your life. You know, we talked about the used car one where I, 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 I built up a little bit of a database of the used cars I was looking at to see it, what a reasonable price would. I use a spreadsheet to do that. I, I use a spreadsheet for, for a whole bunch of things. It, it, it Probably more things than necessary, but... I, I like to analyze, but I think everyone should develop spreadsheet skills at some level. So, But there is no wrong way. If somebody sends me a spreadsheet, just from a professional standpoint, and I don't understand it, I will pick up the phone, call the person, get them to explain it to me, or I will recreate the spreadsheet in something with formulas that I'm comfortable with that I can understand so I can actually use the, this as a tool. So... If I were to create a complicated spreadsheet and send it to somebody else, they'd just be intimidated by it. They'd pump a number in and they'd say, you know, I put this number in it and it doesn't make any sense. I'm a big fan of creating your own spreadsheet. Mirror it after your home budget app for your phone with the categories that are in there so it's familiar. And just put in some subtotals. And uh, I, I think it's pretty basic spreadsheet skills. So Trevor, you've just walked us through the three steps to budget, to developing a budgeting process. And um, we will have uh, these kind of, I think the, the hopefully the outline um, up on our website, livelifesimple.ca. So if you kind of were following along, but you want to refer back, you can either re-listen to the episode or just uh, head over to our website for the, the breakdown of each step. Trevor, before we end uh, part two of our annual budgeting episode, a pretty hefty one, is there any final thoughts or takeaways for our listeners to kind of conclude this two-part series? So I know that the how to budget does not make for great audio. I, I get that, but I, I, this was the 
philosophical of how to budget, not not the the hands on. The hands on, I mean, clearly we'd have to be sitting in a room together to get this this done for each person. It's so individual, but the philosophy would would be would be the same no matter what your scenario is. Your approach should be the same. These three phases are. They're they're game changers. I really think this this is this is the kind of thing that moves the needle on personal finance. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's part two episode of budgeting. Thank you so much for being here with us this week and joining us uh, for for both our budgeting episodes. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new episode of Simple Money Solutions podcast. Until then, keep it simple.